And I've said it before, love being a Met. I think it would be really cool to be one for my entire career. But, um, you know, the plan is to um, exercise that option and and be in constant contact in the offseason with the Mets and, and uh, Steve Cohen in the front office. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, September the 26th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. Add you to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Talking Mets podcast, and boy, could I not have been more wrong this weekend. When we last met, what did I have, the Friday morning edition of the show, right after the off day, we talked a little bit about the playoff musings, going into Oakland, kind of enjoying and celebrating the Mets' first step as they, you know, go through this journey to win a championship. And one of the things I was concerned about was the team going into Oakland, a sleepy Oakland, a team that typically draws a couple thousand fans. And I got to tell you, boy, was I wrong. I mean, that was a lively Oakland college. Was it Ricky Henderson Field now? See, I told you this on Friday. I have no idea. What, what any of these uh, stadiums are called? It's called Ricky Henderson Field now. Is that it? So anyway, you, I think they drew it about fifteen to 18,000 each game, and they were lively. Seven line going out there. A lot of Mets fans, and Mets took care of business, took two out of three. Uh, very disappointing on Saturday. We'll get to that. That's a major theme of the show. But really, as we've been doing in each program, we'll just start off with Mets math here. As the Mets math is now, okay, what is it going to take to win the division? Good position in. They're going to be ahead of the Cardinals. The Mets now can be confident, confident in knowing that they're either going to be playing home games at City Field that, you know, a little less than two weeks from uh, today, that Friday night with three games set in the wild card series, or they'll be off and waiting till the following week, till that following Tuesday when uh, the NLDS will be starting against somebody. So uh, the Mets are in a pretty good place here. Mets math, well, you know, I said a week ago it wasn't in their favor as the Mets headed to Milwaukee and Oakland. The Braves had the Nats, who, you know, seemed to be the Washington Generals to the Braves, Harlem Globetrotters, and they really they really like that whole division. And, and then, of course, going into Oakland, and then I said, well, here's the series against the Phillies where the Mets can make some hay. And the Phillies did cooperate, albeit a disappointing loss yesterday. The Phillies took the two games. Along the way, as we looked at the schedule of the Braves, it was the two games against the Phillies that we all were saying, hey, the Mets really need the Phillies to step up, win a couple of games there to put them in the position as they get to the final week and a half of the season where things are tough for the Braves. And they are. Now, the Braves still have one game to play, and that'll be tonight against the Nats. Let's assume the Braves win that game. Pretty good assumption. 
Mets are going to be going into the final eight games. It'll be Braves eight games, three against the, the Nats, three against the Mets, and then the final two games against Miami as the Mets play three against the Nats. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Two against the Nats, three against Miami, three against the Mets. I'm sorry because the three, the third one is tonight. Mets are playing th- uh, two against Miami, uh, three against the Braves, and then obviously end up the season against the Nats next week at home at City Field. So let's say the Mets after tonight are a game up because the Braves are going to win. If they're two games up, this is even more delicious. But let's go one game up. The Braves are basically if the Mets just go six and two meaning they take care of business at home against Miami. Uh, you want to say they take, you know, three against the Nats and at least win one against the Braves, six and two. The Braves are going to have to go seven and one to just tie. And if the Mets win that one game in Atlanta, then the tie is not good enough. The Braves have to win the division. If the Mets could win one of those games in Atlanta, the Braves are going to have to win the division. So it's a couple of things critically important. One, they got to win one of those games in Atlanta. You can't get swept. And nor do I think a team like the Mets, who have proven time and time again, look at this road trip, had not played well against two very poor teams at home at City Field. Went out to Milwaukee, a team fighting for their playoff lives, won two out of three. We were concerned about the sleepy conditions in Oakland. No problem, with the exception of Jacob deGrom really you know, having his worst outing in five years. The Mets went and did exactly what you expected to do against the second division club. Again, as I said last week, it's weird where if you had had those same kind of that same Oakland team at City Field, you almost feel like the Mets would have scored as many runs and they would have played as well. It's a weird thing. The stats, only stat that bears out that concern is the power. And we all know that City Field is not a power field, but it's really weird how this team can off from an offensive standpoint, be the team that we know they could be on the road. And at times at home, it's a complete opposite. So something to watch as you hit the playoffs. We talked about it, but not something that we want to dwell on quite a bit here today. Now, we're not going to spend the whole show breaking down Mets math and scenarios and talking about the Braves series next weekend because the Mets still have work to do. they got to go home and, and beat Miami, and they're going to beat again like they had to do a couple of weeks ago. They're going to have to beat a couple of young, tough pitchers. I mean, that's the way it's going to be, and those are the kind of pitchers that could really throw a monkey wrench into a uh, pennant race. The theme here, and you heard him coming in, an old clip about his free agency is Jacob deGrom. And if you were following me on Twitter on Saturday, it was pretty down on Jacob deGrom. And there's two components of deGrom that this show is all about. And it's not really a short because I'm going to take a break and I want to get to some playoff matchups too. So this is not going to be one of those shorts, but... What I really want to get into is not only DeGrom's free agency, which we're not going to dive deep into. That's for after the season, but it's a topic that keeps coming up. But more importantly, where he is right now and understanding that he has a lot to prove right now. And I know that sounds crazy after a couple of Cy Youngs, and arguably you can say this is the the best Mets pitcher in franchise history. I'll keep Tom Seaver at that top. I'm not, you know, it's very hard for a guy who who hasn't won a lot of games. I know wins are not as important as they used to be and has been hurt and right now could only go five or six innings to put him in the pantheon with Seaver. He still has a lot to prove. And if he sticks around here for another four or five years, maybe we could have that conversation. But on Saturday, and, and maybe I'm making this out to be more than it is, 
And believe me, if anybody listens to this show more than one time or five minutes, you know how I'm very balanced in my view of player performance. I am not one of these guys that likes to go on the air, blow some air, act like this is an easy game that guys like you and me who are sitting home could do just as good, if not better. I'm not like that. That's not who I am. Never been that way. But on Saturday, when the Mets, who had just 24, less than 24 hours ago, had expanded the lead to two and a half games, two in the loss column, had an opportunity to put a lot more pressure on Atlanta. Pretty much if that game had gone the Mets' way, going into today, a two-game lead with eight to play doing that math would have virtually assured, for the most part, with some competent play, that the Braves had to pretty much win out the rest of the way. The Braves have no mulligans. As it is, they really don't have mulligans unless the Mets fall flat on their face. Granted, they they still played them head-to-head, so maybe that's a bit of a bold statement. Jacob DeGrom goes out in that game, has the worst outing that he's had in five years. Not only that, the Mets stake him to a 3-0 lead early. You think this is great, 3-0 lead, DeGrom on the mound, one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. Not the sleepy Coliseum we expected. They had some life. They had the guys banging the drums the whole time. I mean, geez, you want to talk about uh, it reminded me, non sequitur. I know I'm going on one of my non sequiturs. The Mets went down to, I'm guessing it was Puerto Rico, probably. Yeah, it was Puerto Rico, I think, maybe 2010, and they played a game against Miami, I'm thinking, and they were banging those Vesuvulas, are they called? I can't remember what the name, the whole game, and I remember I was getting a headache watching the game. It wasn't quite that bad, and if you remember that game going back over a decade, and maybe I'm saying the name wrong. It's a, it's it's something. It's a cultural thing down there where they have these like, like almost like rubber balloons and they bang them the whole time. I thought they called Vesuvulas. I can't remember. And I'm, someone's probably laughing, listening that knows what it is. And I, I was thinking about that during this, this whole Oakland series, like boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of cool, but it's 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 annoying. After after ten minutes, you're like, all right, let's just watch the ball game. Maybe I'm being grumpy. But anyway. DeGrom goes out, has this horrible outing, never adjusts, and quite honestly, look, if there's anybody on the planet that plays this game that's allowed to have a bad game and not get criticized, it's Jacob DeGrom, and he took full accountability. He didn't blame Angel Hernandez, even though during the game I was angry at Angel Hernandez, feeling that he was getting squeezed. DeGrom was a man about it. DeGrom went out and said, I was bad. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing here. Uh, there's nothing here. There's nothing here for me to say. So, can't criticize him for that. What I can criticize, and I can say, is that at this time of the year, this is not the time where, look, you don't have your best stuff, fine. You got to go out there and have a more competitive start. You have to. Guys who want to go out and want to get what Scherzer got and want to be the man... And all season, as you heard in that clip, all I keep hearing is, I'm going to opt out, I'm going to opt out, I'm going to opt out. Fine, that's your prerogative. You have every right not to be happy with the contract you have. But the whole point of greatness and the whole point of $50 million a year, the whole point why you're here at this point is, yeah, the Cy Youngs, but not the two-hit shutout at the end of 2018 that got you the Cy Young when the Mets were in no man's land. It's not the Cy Young in 2019 that doesn't really matter now because the Mets didn't go anywhere. 
forget about the pandemic 2020. I mean, I don't count any of that stuff. And then last year, yeah, you have this historic first half, but you didn't have a single pitch post-All-Star break when the team could have used you. You were hurt. I'm not blaming you. So, you know, really, what was that worth? When you start to look at it in the form of a higher bar, a much higher bar in terms of team and winning championships, what does any of this matter? Now it matters. Now performance matters. You're out 60% of the season. The Mets built a division lead without you. Now they're asking you to help bring them home. The heavy lifting was largely done without you. And against not only, look, I can understand if you go there and you're going into a band box like Philadelphia or like Taiwan Walker a few weeks back, you just don't have it against Atlanta, they'll punish you. You can't you can't not have your best stuff. But against Oakland on the road on a game that was a silver platter game, you have that kind of outing and you cannot adjust and you're not competitive. Now, I understand the bullpen did their part giving up half the runs as well. But Jake gets through that with six innings, three runs, four runs. You know, maybe that's a different ball game. It was the most disappointed I've ever been in Jacob DeGrom. And when you start to look at Jacob DeGrom's history, I'm sorry, he has a lot to prove over the next few weeks. Now, none of what he does the next few weeks, unless he's utterly awful, and even then somebody's going to give him money, is going to probably impact his contract or his desire to opt out. If, like John Heyman says, the Texas Rangers want to give him a crazy, stupid deal, I don't think DeGrom has to pitch well at all the next few weeks for that to happen. We always talk about that's a crazy deal. Nobody will give it to him. Somebody always gives it to them. Somebody's always ready to open up the coffers and give a bad contract. I can't believe the contract Marcus Simeon got. Good player, but outlier season got paid like he's been a star for five, six, seven years. So... To me, this start coming up in Atlanta this weekend is going to show me a lot about Jacob DeGrom because two weeks from now, he's either going to be asked in a short series against the Cardinals or the Phillies or the San Diego, whether it's the five game or the three game, to get big outs, take the Mets into the sixth or seventh inning and pitch elite baseball. Pitches like that in a postseason game, you know, that could change a series. And when you start to go back to DeGrom, when he's been in the postseason, and that was a long time ago. He was a young, second year in the league. Elite, dominant performance game one against the Dodgers. Grinded through. Always, I mean, he won me over with his game five performance in that NLDS. Grinding through six innings when he didn't have it. Pitched pretty well against the Cubs in the NLCS. With a cushion, mind you. They were already up 2-0 at that point. And then let's face it, and look, he was a young pitcher, maybe had gone deeper into the postseason than ever before. When they needed him against the Royals in Game 2, after a heartbreaking Game 1, he was nowhere to be found. And he didn't pitch. He was hurt in 16, so we, you know that was Syndergaard that pitched in the playoff game against San Diego. So I'm not trying to be down and overly unfair to Jacob deGrom. I'm just trying to give you perspective. My perspective is he has a lot to prove. You want to opt out? Fine. Your prerogative. You want $50 million a year? You want to be paid better than Scherzer? Fine. You've had all-time numbers. You're as close to perfect as you're ever going to see, maybe in our lifetime, as a pitcher. And look, I've seen Maddox, and I've seen Randy Johnson. 
I saw Roger Clemens. These aren't from the history books. I saw these guys pitch. The Grom's right up there. When he's on, it's I, I I I don't even think it's part and parcel to the game today with the launch angle. He's just he repeats his mechanics. He he's a cerebral guy. He's competitive. All those things, you know, they're all good stuff. But now this is where it really counts. This is where the stats don't matter anymore because if you're this good and then you come up small when the Mets need you most, then the Cy Youngs, not that they don't mean anything, but they're not as special. Right now, let me ask you guys this question, and I said this back on Friday. You're going to tell me it's changed? You have a chance to start somebody in game one in a series who then could flip around and pitch the decisive fifth game or the decisive seventh game later in the series. You're picking Scherzer, you're picking DeGrom right now. I've been saying for a while, even before Saturday, I think it's Scherzer, mainly because I don't think DeGrom's built up. Let's go through DeGrom. Let's also make it sound like Saturday was an outlier, and he's been really, really good. And maybe we're judging him, or maybe I'm judging him too harshly, but he wasn't great against the Pirates in the first inning, and then he had the bad sixth inning. He was dominant in between, bad hitting team. All right, you want to say the Cubs dinked and dimed him to death and with the bunts and everything? Six inning, three runs, that's a pedestrian outing. He dominated against the Pirates before that, but if you remember early in the game, he was kind of laboring and then he got it going. One of the marks of DeGrom so far this year has been he has trouble at the beginning, amping up a little bit in some starts. Then he gets really dominant, and then he peters out after 85 pitches. Dodger game, huge game. There was with DeGrom. We needed him, uh, you know, and all that stuff. Came up big, but got saved by Brandon Nimmo because as you got to north of 85 pitches, much more hittable. Then there was Colorado, went into Atlanta, went into the seventh inning, gave up three runs, not a bad outing. Okay, and then he was dominant up and down against the Braves. Swanson got him. The Phillies game, he was dominant. They won one nothing. And I'm not going to go back to his first game against the Nats because he was just getting the rust off. But, you know, overall, look, you look, I even go to baseball savant, you look at the numbers. The exit velocity is slightly up. They're barreling him a little bit more. I mean, these are small sample sizes here. I mean, his velocity is a tick down from 99, over 99, 99.2 to 98.9. But his slider velocity is up. You know, his changeup is, you know, as it should. The spread is 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 a little, is there. He's throwing more curveballs. He's trying to be more of a, you know, maybe that's part of this. Maybe, you know, Scherzer's in his ear and saying, hey, you got four pitches, become a different pitcher. And at this time of the year, coming off the injury he's coming at, maybe that's a bad idea. You know, maybe that's something that has played into it. None of us know. But now is the time for DeGrom to show us that he's that guy. Because I'll tell you what. I'm still going to want them unless there's some kind of injury or there's something really wrong with him over the next couple of days. If he peters out in the postseason, I'm not going to sit here and say don't sign him. My position's not going to change. We'll talk about it when the season's over. I think he's worth a certain amount. I think you go out there and you offer it to him. And I think if someone gets stupid and wants to put a bad contract that's north of maybe four years or so, maybe you think about it. Because right now, if you want... You already got 30 of your payroll tied up by these guys. You want 40 to 45% of your payroll tied up 
of a handful of players. You better have a plan to fill out the rest of the roster because that's going to come back to haunt you, especially if it becomes dead money. None of it's dead money right now. For a while, DeGrom was, but you knew he was coming back. It wasn't a serious thing. Now's the time to show that you're a $50 million a year player. 2018 doesn't matter to me, the Cy Young. 2019 doesn't matter. The historic first half last year doesn't matter. None of it matters. All due respect, 2015 and Game 5 is in the closet. It's, it's a nice memory. It doesn't matter now. What matters is performing today. What matters is Atlanta. What matters is the postseason. Yeah, I am raising the bar. I'm not here to, you know, look, and if Jake peters out and leaves at the end of this year, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate or remember the good times. But, yeah, it will leave a scar or a stain on his legacy here. And, yes, I'm being the guy that says that. I'll probably be the only guy that says that. Have a bad outing in Atlanta this coming weekend? You'll have more than just me saying that. I'm going to get ahead of the curve. You may think I'm being harsh. You may think I'm being a blowhard. You may think I'm falling into the media trap. I'm not trying to troll you. I'm being brutally honest. This is by far the most disappointed I've been with Jacob deGrom ever. That includes when he was coming back from the 16 injury and he looked like he was nowhere near the same pitcher in 17. And he wound up correcting and adjusting. I think he won 15 games that year. Now, as far as the free agency, and this will be a theme, and we'll talk about it more when the time's appropriate, you're going to hear a lot of media noise about Jake doesn't want to be here, he wants to play for the Braves, now the Rangers have all this money, you know, the Giants are going to go spend wildly, Cubs, it's going to be all over the map. If Steve Cohen wants a player... And if that player wants to play in New York, the Mets are going to get that player. That's Wilpon talk. And right now, and you can listen to any of the pundits, they'll all tell you, Buster Olney, Heyman, whatever. And I like John a lot. But it's almost like he and Joel Sherman are rooting for DeGrom to leave. And I'd say that, whatever I say on this show, I'd say to their face. I know they do not feel that way, and I'm not saying they're overtly, but subliminally they, they want that to happen. Look at how they talk about Aaron Judge. Can the Yankees, will the Yankees give Judge what he wants versus will DeGrom want to stay? Think about that whole narrative. Nobody knows who Jacob DeGrom is. They've admitted nobody knows because he's very guarded. So the only person that really knows what's going on is Jake. And I'll tell you what, if this market now is too much for Jacob DeGrom to handle, if the stress of this is too much for him to handle, if that's why he wants to leave at the end of the year, then let him go because that's not worth $50 million a year. If you're going to give what you gave against Oakland when the time is that, when the lights are that bright and the stakes are that high. Now, you know, remember when 2015, it's still that innocent climb for DeGrom. He's still an unknown quantity. We knew he was good, but we didn't know he was this. We didn't know he was an ace because Harvey was the ace. If that's what it's all about, then he needs to go. Then go down to another market. Go to Texas and be irrelevant and win nothing. So he ain't listening to this show. He don't care what I have to say. But I'll tell you what you should. Because I'll be watching very closely this weekend when DeGrom pitches. And, you know, if the mechanics are off this, I don't think it's an injury. I just think, I mean, part of it could be he's still kind of 
he had the spring training and then he got shut down and then he's amped back up. I mean, there's still a number of things that go into pitching where DeGrom is not your typical pitcher on September 26th. He's probably in the May, in Mayish when it comes down to it. And sometimes guys take, you know, Chris Bassett went through a bad stretch May, June. Every pitcher goes through it. But right now, you're going to tell me you got a choice. One guy, hand on the ball, they're going to bring you home. It's going to be Scherzer or DeGrom. You're going to tell me you're going to pick anybody but Scherzer on this staff? Again yesterday, guy's been shut down twice. Goes out there, is perfect against Milwaukee. Shuts down the A's. Not that that's hard, but he did it against the Yankees, you know, at City Field. I know he didn't pitch as well at Yankee Stadium, but at Yankees at City Field, you know, big outing. Atlanta, when they needed that win in Atlanta earlier in the summer, that first game, there's Scherzer. DeGrom, I'm not so sure. We'll see. And you want to talk about free agency, Jake? Great. You're entitled to your money. Right now, I'm less worried about your free agency and you opting in, opting out. I'm worried about you pitching well against Atlanta and giving the Mets some quality starts. And six innings, three runs is not ace-like performance. I don't care if you strike out every other person in that game. Six innings, three runs, I could get from Taiwan Walker. I probably could get that from Carrasco. I know I'll get it from Bassett. You want to go out there and you want to dominate and you want to be a $50 million in your ace. You want to be Verlander. You want to be Randy Johnson. You want to be vintage Roger Clemens. Hey, you want to be Kurt Schilling. Red Sox against the Yankees. And geez, Derek Lowe's had big, big uh, postseason uh, performances. What you saw on Saturday, that's garbage. You can get that from any middling pitcher. David Peterson could have done that. So I'm really curious to see what Jake comes up with. And I think that, that we're at a point where, yeah, he needs to show that he can do it. We know he can, but everything that's happened, that's in the closet, that's in the past. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to wrap up, but when we wrap up, it looks like the Phillies are calling out. They want the Mets. At least Ricky Patalico from their postgame uh, uh, group wants the Mets. After yesterday, the Phillies should just worry about being in the playoffs. But we'll wrap up. We'll talk a little bit about who is a good matchup for the Mets and really, as we head to the final couple of weeks of the season, what team would you like to see the Mets play? None of them, none of them are easy, but I'll talk about that and more as we wrap up right after this. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey, Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more, 
already sold, go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I hope the Phillies get the, the sex spot, and I hope the Mets get the first wild, wild card spot. I told you about this. I want Philly fans to go up to City Field and be able to watch their team kick, you know kick what I mean. Butt. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'll stop I there. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. And you heard the Phillies postgame boot. That's from Friday. After the blowout of the Braves, they got very, very giddy. I believe that's Ricky Patalico, and you guys may remember him. Ricky used to be the closer of the Phillies. Actually had a nice year. I think it was his final year next to last year with the Mets in 04 coming out of the bullpen. So he was a solid right-handed reliever uh, coming out of the bullpen, but totally gone full Philly uh, fan hat on. That's that's what I really like about the Mets pre-post game, guys like Zeal, obviously the booth. And by the way, I mean, is not the Hernandez out for the year blow one of the biggest blows the Mets have faced all year? Not having Keith in the booth, that's that's a big blow the rest of the year, right? Um, I love the Mets booth. I love the um, the professionalism. You know, we know that Keith and Ron and even Zeal, they want to see the Mets win. Everybody wants to work for a winning team. But when you hear something like that, I mean, geez, you'd think you'd be listening to some kind of Philly fan podcast. But here's my message as I look at the teams that the Mets potentially could play. Honestly, and this is completely illogical. It has nothing to do because in a vacuum, all the teams left 
playing the Cardinals in a five-game NLDS, or if you had your choice between the Phillies or Padres in a three-gamer. I mean, Cardinals, Padres in a five-gamer, I feel like both of those are thorny series. And the team out of all of those teams, that's what you would want the Mets to face based on their performance this year against them, based on their bad defense, uh, are the Phillies. But I have to tell you, I really want nothing to do with the Phillies, and the Mets should want nothing to do with the Phillies. First of all, there's that I-95 rivalry. Second of all, much more likely Phillies fans will make the trek to City Field and, and take a portion of the field or the playoff games away. Third, and this is the most illogical, but you have a number of guys who have a grudge there against the Mets. Like, think about the Phillies. You've got Wheeler, who potentially could pitch a game one if he's healthy. You've got Syndergaard, either pitching game three, probably not, more likely coming out of the bullpen. They they seem to have, and one of the things that was the Phillies' problems in the last couple of years was a bad bullpen. They've seemed to figure that out a little bit. They've got Eflin coming out of the bullpen right now. they got this Bailey Falter who's pitched pretty well, who's lefty, who could give the Mets some problems. I think Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be their closer of the future. Um, you know, Robertson's there. I know he hasn't been as good as he was in Chicago, but he's a professional. I mean, they've got a good team. And then that lineup, and I know that the Padres have Soto, and the Padres have Bell, and the Padres have Machado. Now, they're not going to have Tatis because he's suspended. That would have made them even more scary. Uh, and you go up and down that lineup. They have Brandon Drury. You could hit lefties. Hasn't been as good as he was in Cincinnati. Kind of became Brandon Drury again after the trade deadline. But when you look up and down the Phillies lineup, Hoskins could be dangerous. Real Muto. Uh, you have Schwarber who could take over a series. We all know Harper, what he can do. I haven't even talked about a guy like Alec Baum who you know fits right in and has gotten big hits against the Mets. And they got May- Nick Maytone here. Castellanos could be like, the Phillies have a lineup that's very difficult to navigate. And I, if you go back to the earlier editions of the show, especially after the no-hitter that the Mets had against the Phillies, I said I was surprised they were able to navigate that, especially early in the season. They were a team that was working counts, and they had no easy outs in the lineup. And you know that was uh, before guys like Maton came into the play, and Castellanos wasn't hitting and, and what have you. And obviously Harper was in the lineup. He was out most of the summer with a broken finger. Uh, bullpen's tough with guys like Alvarado as well. I even, you know, bring him up. So I I really got to tell you, despite the fact that you look at San Diego with Soto, who could take over a series, but I think is still adjusting out there. You kind of threw, and I, I said this at the deadline, the Padres threw this team together at the deadline. They made a lot of changes. Bell, Drury, Soto, bringing in Hader, who's been bad, but let's face it, he's still Josh Hader, and... You bring a guy like that in, lefty, Mets struggle against lefties. I don't think he's a guy. With it. He's the guy that had the 10 ERA. He's going to figure it out. And tell you the truth, he hasn't given up a run since August 28th. So he's starting to figure it out, guys. He's starting to figure it out. His ERA's dropped uh, almost a run since, you know, in September he's been pretty good. So I have to think that Hater is going to be Hater when he's in a postseason matchup. Uh, so here I am. I'm sitting here. You know, they got Darvish. They got Musgrove. They got good starting pitching. Their bullpen's not bad. Sean Manaya, you know, you can maybe go with Blake Snell, a lefty. You know, look, the Mets have struggled against lefties. The rest of the league knows it. Uh, you got Hater coming out of the bullpen. Uh, you got all those. I mean, 
it's really six of one half dozen another because I think the, the Phillies are a pesky team too. And in a short series, all the, you know, you won only 83 games, you won only 87 games, none of that matters. But just because I think that the Syndergaard Wheeler, you know, Harper knows the Mets for a long time, the Philly connection, the history uh, of the Mets and Phillies, especially from 2007, 2008, I guess I'd rather see the Padres. And I know that that doesn't make sense because when you really start to look at each of the teams, you're probably saying, Mike, the, the, the Phillies scare me the less. It's all these weird intangibles. I could see Wheeler coming out with a huge grudge and shutting the Mets down. I could see Syndergaard becoming this crazy bridge to the ninth inning. I mean, th- that matters. Whereas the Padres, they really don't have any history with the Mets. And I still think they're trying to figure it out, this group together. And look, a team like that could be certainly dangerous. Because all of a sudden, this this chemistry mix that A.J. Preller put together figures it out in October, and they go through the tournament, and they win. All, all this, this is the amazing part, and I said this last week, and I'll say it again. The only thing that has happened and will happen if the Mets win the division, they've earned the right to be in the tournament by making the playoffs. And winning the division gives them a better seating in the tournament. That's it. That's it. Period. End of story. And what's funny is it's going to probably take 102 to 103 wins to get it done, which we've been saying all along. And if you look, the Mets are probably going to have to go about 6-2. and two. So There's a bounce. I don't know if 5-3 and three will get it done. I mean, if you know, if the, you're going to need some help from the Marlins. You're going to need some help from the Nats. And right now, that's – I mean, the Phillies couldn't really help the Mets. They did, but they get that extra game they couldn't. You know, the Braves are really tough. They find ways to win. The Braves have really pushed the Mets. So – I think on a positive note, the Mets are well-positioned for the postseason. And the formula that's out there is pretty simple. Mets get ahead. Mets get strong starting pitching for six to seven innings. Then they hand it over to Adovino and Diaz. And those three-out bridge to Adovino, Diaz, is it going to be Lugo? Is it going to be another starter? You know, against lefties, if they face like a Kyle Schwarber or a Bryce Harper, who knows? They may bring in Joely Rodriguez. I know you're putting your hands over your ears, but... Buck seems to like Joely Rodriguez. Could you imagine if the season gets decided by Joely Rodriguez, what the fans will do? That will be up there with Buck not bringing in Zach Britton against the Blue Jays in the wild card game. Mark my words. So, so a spicy show leading into the final week and a half of the regular season. Big baseball coming up. Uh, I really mean it, guys. I know you probably think I'm nuts, and I'm, I could be very curious to see what kind of tweets and emails I'll get. Jacob DeGrom to me has a lot to prove this coming weekend against the Braves. I'm not saying he has to win the ball game. If he goes seven shutout innings, the Mets lose because they don't score. That's not his fault. But he has a lot to prove. I'm very, very disappointed in Saturday. Saturday would have put a nice exclamation point on the final two weeks. It would have made it very hard for the Braves to come back. And the Mets still left that little door open. And look, we've said it for weeks now. It's probably going to take going into Atlanta and winning two out of three. And that would be a huge test. Can the Mets go? The Mets are really that serious, you know, about winning a championship. This is, I don't want to say it's a test series because it's not, but you really want to see how they play. If they play poorly, that's a whole different conversation we're going to have come Monday morning because they have the Sunday night ESPN game, which I thought we would. I thought we were done with it, but I guess the, you know ESPN wanted to grab the Mets Braves game and whatever. That's their prerogative. So, can they maybe can Aaron Judge hold off on sixty home runs? Then they can take the Aaron Judge game on Sunday, leave the Mets alone. But 
Alas, that's probably too much to ask. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in for this latest edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll be back with another Talking Mets Podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.